0: Uh, That's why it's so important to understand uh, the the proper words to use, why they're important, um, and to just lay the foundation to get the trust from the customer. Once you have the trust of the customer... um, that's where all the doors are open to give any option they choose. And even sometimes they want to do option two, you can guide them to option one, just because they trust you and they believe that you're doing what's best for them. And at the end of the day, like, that's what our job is, to serve the client at its fullest capacity.
1: Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. I'm your host, Nate. I'm your co-host, Brian. It's so good to be with you on a new Monday, and new week, and we're really excited for our topic of discussion and our interview today. We're focusing on options, 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 and we have a new guest with us today. His name is Jonathan Jordan. He is a service technician with One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and he's going to be giving some of his expertise today on our topic. Welcome, Jonathan. Glad to be here. JJ. What's up, JJ? What's What's up, Brian? Yeah, it is kind of hard to change that name. We know you so well as JJ. Uh, Yeah, let's uh, just not. uh, All right. (laughs) 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 Uh, The guest formerly known as Jonathan Jordan. How about that? Sounds good to me. (laughs) Hey, thanks for being with us today. Uh, We're excited to have you on. I know you're a big fan of the podcast, so we appreciate that. I just wanted to start by uh, having you introduce yourself and telling us a little bit about what got you here, uh, what got you into the trades, and what you were doing before that, and let's go from there. All right? Yeah, that sounds good. Um, Well, uh,
0: as it's mentioned, uh, Jonathan Jordan, most people call me JJ. Uh, My line of work previously, I worked for a corporate company, Um, I did a transportation routing. I did it for about seven years and, uh, just kind of felt like I could offer more elsewhere. Um, I felt like I had, uh, more potential to offer a company more value that, uh, I felt like it was in myself, but I didn't know what that was. Um, till I got the opportunity to meet Nate, Aaron here at Wars. Um, they kind of showcased, um, the ways to enhance yourself, give you the tools to be successful. Um, It was a tremendous environment, family-oriented, and it's something that I absolutely wanted to be a part of the day I walked in here. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. You were actually part of our Launch Academy, which is our apprenticeship program, right? That is correct. Yeah, so you came here with, um, I don't want to insult you, but zero experience in HVAC, right? Uh, That is absolutely correct. Yeah, and you got trained up from, from green to go, and here you are now. Uh, sitting pretty on the HVAC truck and, and running calls for customers. Yeah, it's 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 been a tremendous opportunity. Um,
0: at the same time, you know, taking something I had no history in, uh, I never used electric tools, uh, <laughs> I was as green as it came, and um, the fact that this company invested in me uh, to kind of Show me the path, you know, um, I pretty much had the light at the end of the tunnel, I just had to walk through it. And uh, I'm just forever grateful um, to be in a position I am now and just to continue to to grow uh, with the knowledge and training that's always provided here. You always have resources to maximize um, your potential. And uh, all you have to do is just put in the effort and the time to make
1: it happen. And the results will clearly uh, speak for themselves. Yeah, I I love that JJ and you are a walking testimony of potential as far as you know bringing somebody into our organization and the sky is the limit. I mean, but it is meritocracy. It it's based upon your level of willingness to jump in to to pick up the ball and run with it, whatever analogy you want to use, but you've certainly done that and and how long have you been on your own in a truck now? Um, it's been about uh I believe, uh, about two years. Yeah, I think that sounds right. So kudos to you, man. I know you're doing well, and we appreciate you being here. Hey, man, It's uh, I'm just grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, uh, really good stuff, JJ. So we want to jump into our topic, uh, which is options, 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 or some other people might refer to it as the three-option close uh, or just generally presenting options. And uh, that's what we're going to be focusing on in today's interview. And I wanted to start off with your opinion on on what is presenting options and why is it important?
0: Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, um, aside from the upfront contract is critical to get to this point. Um, Without a good upfront contract, you're not getting to the point of setting up options for the client. Um, If no one is doing this or doesn't believe in the impact that presenting options to a client is important, I mean check your ticket number if you're not doing the right thing by giving options to a client um, you're gonna see limited success you know so to me I think it's valuable that our job when we get out to a call is to let them know um, what the positives and negatives are on a call and when you present them options to a client at the end of the day you put the onus on them. You can't just give someone one thing to choose. Um, it's kind of like the, uh, you want to avoid the, the, the mystification or any negative connotation to a client. As soon as they f- feel like they're back to a corner, um, you create a negative connotation to them, their immediate response is going to be no. So at the same time, if you present options to a client, pretty much at the end of the day, people like to have options and they like to be in control. So you set up a situation to where um, you lay out three options for them, you let them know on the side note that it's okay, you don't have to do anything, but if we do wanna maximize your system's performance, health of you and your family, we have everything in the book to get it done. And you always feel like you need to be in control when you're in that house, but with options, you present the illusion that the client's back in control. And once they feel that, that's when the options become truly successful.
1: Yeah, I love the confidence of which you speak there. You're just so dedicated to this as as a a, a tactic or as your process, I should say, with the customer. And obviously, you're finding great success with it. If you could simplify it down to just really the, the base level, JJ, like what what are three options? I mean, is it good, better, best stuff? Or are you doing some other type of um, you know, packages? Or you know, what? what is the base level of what you mean when we say options? Of course, yeah. So I lay out consistently
0: every call, one, two, three. Uh, you could have A, B, C. Um, obviously option one is the whole package. Um, if I give an example, if I'm in a house and, there's dirt, there's significant growth in the system. Uh, If there are matters that are compromising the equipment, obviously we have a tremendous filtration package, um, including with HEPAs, micropower guards, UVs, ionizers. Um, I'll include that whole package with option one if they wanna get the total, total um, efficiency and performance of the equipment. So that's usually what I lean on option one. Um, Obviously it's the heaviest investment but to me, you get the most return on that option. Um, so that's like the surplus option one. Is, is that the one that you normally build first? Yeah, that's, yes, I do. Um, I start with option one. I take the time there to value it, make it as most beneficial for the client if they so choose. But I do start with option one and work my way down.
1: Okay. So then what is your logical process of creating option two or the middle ground? Sure. Which obviously most people understand, um,
0: on averages, people will choose in the middle. Uh, that's kind of where most people like to go. It's if you tell them, Hey, most people go with this package. Um, people like to follow what other people do. Uh, they don't like to be left out. <laughs> so um, so when I build option two, it's usually kind of more of the realistic option, what you recommend. Uh, so that's to me the one I target. Uh, obviously, it's great when people go with option one. That's why you present that because there is a chance that will happen. Um, but I do target two as the means to get that job done. That's really beneficial for the client's budget and to complete the process of that option. So
1: that's the one I target. Okay, so option one is the grandiose, you know, the the whole enchilada. It's got all the bells and whistles. It's going to take their system, their home to the next level. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Option two is going to be that nice middle ground where, uh, you know, they're getting uh, obviously what they need, but also maybe a little bit more. And then how do you come up with option three?
0: Sure. So option three would be, Pretty much um, still a good opportunity uh, for the investment or revenue to take place. Um, I try to emphasize that every option is great. Just obviously, with each one we go up the ladder, the better the situation will be. Um, But option three, I kind of constructed to where I feel like it's the kind of like the bare um, necessity to get what I feel is best for them at the moment. Um, So they may have a situation there with the. Aside from the dust and growth and all that, option three might just simply be, you know, our micropower guard and ionizer to start with sterilizing and collecting dust in that situation. So that's usually um, the most cost effective option, uh, but it's least still effective for them to take care of it because I do inform them that whatever option they pick, if it's not one, if it's three, you can start there. And build your way up over time and future visits uh, where they can plan. And I try to get a feel for the client's budget, their means, and where they're at their point of their life where what is best for them at the end of the day. So that's kind of how I construct my options.
1: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, let me ask you this. Is three the right number? Do you ever go higher or lower? Is there a thought pattern behind that?
0: Yeah, it's, it, it, it's always three. Um, I look at I do tell people there is a fourth option that they don't have to do anything Um, it's not mandated it's not forced Um, at the end of the day it's giving them the right option that fits their budget fits what they find is the most valuable uh, for their family and their system and we try to work together um, with that and that's why I feel like if you give three options everyone like I said before likes having the opportunity for options so If you create that situation, you'll just have a lot more success with laying options for someone than just telling them this is what they need to do, plain and simple,
1: because most people back out of that because they don't understand or feel like they're backed into a corner. Okay, so three is the good number. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I'm hearing. And then you also bring in that fourth, hey, there's always an opportunity to say no. um, Declining is always an option. Do you actually uh, write that down or do you just verbalize that for the customer?
0: Uh, I do both. Um, I actually tell them right up front, look, before I lay these options for you, um, I ask them if they have any other questions. I say, at the end of the day, you are not obligated or forced to do anything you don't want to do. And then from there, they usually kind of can break the ice with the client. They can relax. Um, And then when you sit and talk with these options, they seem like they open up more effectively doing that just so they're they're not pressured. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is just creating a calm um, relaxing atmosphere uh, where you're engaged um, to make something happen where they, you can build the trust with the client. Um, and at the end of the day, once you have their trust, um, it's really uh, limitless to what you
1: can do for them and their family. Yeah, I hear you on that. Okay. So at, at a base level, that's the definition of what options are and kind of even how you construct them. Uh, what I want to move now into is is the reason behind this. So I'm sure there's uh, you know a lot of listeners out there who have either heard about options and it's not their thing, or maybe this is new to them. Why is this so important? I mean, you covered a little bit about that in in the beginning, but why is it important for you as a technician to lay out more than one choice? Yeah, simply.
0: It's like kind of what I alluded to earlier. Um, Like if I'm uh, going to Best Buy and I want to buy a TV and there's a million 4K TVs out there, um, I might go there and I know there's the OLEDs and all that. Um, You get there and you look at how they treat you, even as you being a consumer. When you walk in and you're looking at a TV and the guy goes, you need to do this one. This one absolutely, you know, and you're just sitting there like, wait a second, I came here to look at several TVs. I like to have the options. I want to feel like I'm in control that I can pick what I feel is the best. I don't need someone telling me what's best for me. Like they don't know me, they don't know my family. So I like to have the options to pick for myself. So I think just having isolated one thing you do to a client. I think you take that opportunity away from them uh, to choose what's best for them. And at the end of the day, that's what we're doing with serving the customer.
1: Okay. So if I'm hearing you correctly on that, um, it's important for a technician to present it this way simply as uh, um, a mirror of how you want to be treated when you're the consumer? That is correct. Okay. Are there any other considerations as to why it's important for you as a technician to lay
2: out multiple options other than just like a yes or no? Yeah, that's where it makes the most sense, Nate, is if you give a person a choice of yes or no, or you give a person of a choice of one of these three options, which one is just most likely to get you a sale? I mean, at the end of the day, you give somebody a 50-50 choice of one option and yes or no, or there's a you know, 33% chance they'll pick one of these three options, or maybe 25 because they could still say no. Your odds go way up uh, if three of those choices are a yes and one is no versus one is yes and one is no. Have have you does that
0: ring
1: true for you, JJ?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't have said that better myself. Um, you're just kind of giving yourself more of an opportunity um, to make the sale, uh, create the revenue. You know, try to create the um, triple win process there. That triple win. What is that? Well, it's simply if you present options for a client, and you come to an agreement. The company wins, the
1: tech wins, but more importantly, the client does. And that's because uh, they got got what their home needed and what they wanted, and they had the option to choose that. Absolutely. And obviously, you know, you get compensated, and so does the company for that choice. That is correct. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, JJ, so thanks for kind of introducing that for us. And what I want to focus on now is um, the presentation piece. So let's let's start at the construction phase. Uh, you gave us an idea of what laying out one, two, and three might look like, but how do you even come up with what to put in those? I mean, I know you said you, you kind of throw it all in option one, and you're speaking um, a lot about indoor air quality, but does, does constructing options work for things other than indoor air quality? Oh, well, of course. Uh, obviously, if
0: you're seeing any parts of the system whether it's a capacitor or a fan motor. Um, If a capacitor is failing or the fan motor is producing a high amps a lot of times they tie together there. Um, A lot of it can be constructed off avoiding future repairs with extended life packages. Um, They're all part of the options. Um, Obviously once you're in a home or on a call uh, that's what usually dictates what option you are going to build. Obviously I I do focus on indoor air quality. A lot of times these options can kind of have a blend um, of both uh, where we can do some uh, updates on the pieces of equipment um, and improve the health of them and their families. So it's kind of creating both atmospheres where we're going to maximize their systems performance and efficiency and obviously protect their family um, uh, for
1: positive indoor air quality. Okay. So not only does options work outside of indoor air quality, I think it also works outside of just even HVAC, right? I mean, presenting options is kind of a universal tactic uh, that can be used in any of the trades. Is that right?
0: Oh, absolutely. It's it's really, it's anything in life, anything you probably do with your job, um, especially with sales or, you know, it, it's an absolute mandate that you have to present options If you want to increase your ticket average, if you want to increase the money you make, um, if you want to create more revenue for the company that you're a part of, laying out options for people is the
1: absolute way to make all that happen. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so you construct the options based upon what you're seeing there. Obviously, option one is going to have the the whiz-bang. Option three is your essential. Option two is your middle ground. Then let's let's talk about the presentation. Um, let's start at the very beginning of the call, before you've ever seen the system, before you've ever opened up any uh, any tools or anything like that, and you're standing there with the customer and you're you're talking about, um, you know, probably introducing yourself and going over kind of what your call is going to look like. Are you talking about options even then, or or where does this come up in in the flow of the call? Uh, that's a great question, and
0: at the end of the day, once like I'm in a home, um, my first and foremost uh, way to go about it is, I have to build the relationship with the client. Um, at the end of the day, if it's finding a middle ground, asking how their family's doing, if they have pets, uh, interact with their animals, um, if there's something on the wall that I can relate to, um, you kind of just break the ice with getting to know them, um, caring about them um, a simple conversation of just saying, you know, wow, you've been to Disney World or, you know, they open up and kind of get the tension away that, you know, we're in their home to take care of their equipment. Obviously they're open to that, but sometimes still they're just kind of, they don't know you. It's your first time there. Um, I just want to build a rapport with the client because I know if I establish that, um, I know at the time of presenting, um, it's going to be that much of an easier
1: process to close the deal. So does it? I mean, do you verbally announce that you're going to have options? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so
0: usually, once I let them know um, during my checkup with the system, if uh, at the end of the day is if anything is um, affecting their system uh, or the health of their family, um, if if it's if it works for them, I could bring it to their attention. and and present some options for them uh, to take care of the matters at hand if they're open to it. So I kind of hint at it uh, before I kind of get down in with the system. Um, But when I tell them something's going on, I ask them if they have a few
1: minutes to sit down and talk about what I'm seeing and how we can go about fixing them. Okay. So you don't necessarily say, I'm going to have options for you, but you kind of allude to the fact that uh, there's going to be a conversation and we're going to review some things. Yeah, because if you just right
0: up the gate, tell them, I've got some options for you. uh, Before you even get started, you're going to put them in a situation where they feel like you're just there to just sell them something. Um, At the end of the day, no one likes to be sold anything. Um, They like to buy. So that's kind of how I look at the perspective that you you just have to create a guideline and uh, give them an opportunity to feel like that, they're in total control in that situation, but at the end of the day, like you are.
1: So you said something interesting there um, about the difference between buying and being sold. Can you explain that out for us a little bit? Absolutely. Um,
0: Obviously, you're in the house with people. uh, Once you dig in some information, um, it's all about getting to know the person uh, in details. Uh, The more information, if you just like listen to the client, that gives you everything you need uh to get the job done more effectively. So, if I bought a car, uh I wanted to choose a car to buy. Um but if the salesman's coming to me saying, "Well, you need the fully loaded package and you need this and that." Um he's not looking out for my best interest. Like he's trying to make more money in his pocket and give me stuff that I don't need. Um so there's a fine line where I go there, the guy's listening to me what I need for the car. Um, I know he's looking out for my best interest where I know I feel like I'm buying this car not being sold the car um, it's just a, a negative feeling where if someone feels like they sold you something it feels like you were taken being taken advantage of and uh, no one likes feeling like that <laughs> so um, that's just kind of to me the difference of being sold and you go out and purchasing something
2: it is funny that you can you can feel sold or like you bought to- also just depending on how that was presented to you by that salesperson. Cause if it is somebody who's just seemingly jamming it down your throat, just saying you need this, you need that. Oh, you don't want to be without that. oh get the extended warranty or else you feel like, all right, back off. You're getting, you're getting a car sale, <laughs> ease up on all the extras for the commission versus asking you, are you into more horsepower? Does that do anything for you? Well, it seems like the answer would be yes. The answer for me would be no, I don't care. It doesn't do anything for me. I don't, I don't live where I can, you know, hit the gas pedal very often. So, <laughs> um, But I have buddies and neighbors who that's what they're into. What if somebody just asked? Um, and if it's a no, that's the end of that conversation. Or if they, they brought up the extended warranty and said, you know, I'm, I'm, I've never been much into extended warranty packages myself, but let me tell you what happened to, you know, Jim and Karen who bought a car from me two years ago. And this happened to them. And this is the reason that now, despite not usually being someone who purchases extended warranties, I feel like when you're buying an automobile, it's a it's a no-brainer. That's, that's just being informed and getting options versus being sold something. And it really does boil all down to the presentation because the way I heard you put that about being sold, I just heard an, an amateur... Salesperson or a greedy salesperson who's only thinking about his needs and not yours. And I thought, you know, I've been sold extended warranty packages on things and I don't usually buy them, but it's because it was put to me in such a way that it made sense for me, not for the salesperson.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and really just to piggyback off that, it, at the end of the day, when someone asks you uh, or lets you know, what they feel, um, is best. Uh, like for me, um, I think it's like paramount, uh, within air quality. If there's anything that you offer a client, um, I think it's like critical that you own it as well. Um, and seeing the benefits like when I you had. say
1: own, sorry to interrupt. When you say own, do you mean like you actually own it in your home or do you mean you own it from like a, I understand it? Uh, both. Uh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. And, uh, sorry to clarify, but it,
0: it's, it's it's important. It's critical. Like if you have the micro power guard or the UV system uh, or the HEPA system, you have surge protectors. You, If you make the investments to see the benefits, what it does for you and your family, um, you live it each and every day that it's in your home. So you know the benefits it creates. So the client can understand that empathy with, hey, uh, it's in my house. I trust it. Um, This is why I feel like it'd be in your best interest um, to look at this for you and your family, um, if that makes sense to them. Uh, If you don't have any of those things, it's really hard to speak the truth on what they really benefit the customer, other than reading off the back of the box. Um, I think they build more trust knowing that you have it, than they know, well, if he's done it, um, I should do it as well. Uh, It just gives you more knowledge and facts, um, of the products. And I think the more knowledgeable you are about the products, that it's not just reading off the specifications page where you can really dig into the benefits of where, you know, it's triggering less allergens and keeping your system running at its peak level. And you speak from experience, people, um, gravitate towards that. So I think that's another critical element. Um, if you're offering anything, um, for people, uh, you have to let them know that, you know, at the end of the day, we're not selling you anything. All we are, if you have a problem, we are just creating solutions to eliminate the problem at the moment. So, um, you know, fixing, uh, you know, the the problem at the time, you know, creating that solution at the time and preventing any future issues moving forward.
1: Okay. So I, I like that idea of owning it, not only in your confidence level and understanding it, but also owning it from a a physical standpoint where it's actually in your house. Uh, what if it's, what if it's not a product? What if it's like repair options, you know, and and it's kind of hard to own a repair option because you, you may or may not have had that situation happen in your home. But if you go out to a call and, uh, something's broken and you can say, Hey, we can make this basic fix. Uh, Which will which will get you up and running we could make this basic plus fix here Which will get you up and running and then some or we could make this super fix here Which will not only get you up and running, but also um, Improve the the efficiency of your system or something like that, you know when it's harder to when it's when it's not a product Specifically and it's more of a service or a fix. How do you factor that into presenting those options? Well, of course uh,
0: Really at the end of the day, um, You let them know the more options you can create. If you fix the problem, we we could fix it right then and there. Uh, We could fix it now, uh, but there's no stopping what's existing or cause the issue at hand from this happening again in the future. So I feel like if you can let the client know, um, educate them on the benefits of fixing now, but preventing later, uh, it gives them less of a headache. Uh, It gives them more peace of mind. It creates more of a reliability for the system. Uh, so, to me, that's like paramount, letting them know that we could fix, but let's prevent any issues like this going forward so you're not stuck in the cold uh, for a night. And, uh, or if it's in the summer where it's hot, you know, who, who like, uh, for, uh, of course, this is going to happen uh, when you're having people over for Fourth of July and you have, you know, the last visit we talked about the capacitor failing, but you wanted to let it go. We all know when you have your family coming in and you want to have your barbecue on 4th of July, that's going to be the time that system fails due to that f- low capacitor. Um, and that's why we try to let you know that, yeah, we could just fix it, but why don't we f- update the other parts here to allow it to
1: run more effectively so this doesn't happen again. Yeah, I like that a lot. Okay, so jumping back into where we were there. So at the beginning of the call, you kind of bring up the fact that You're going to have some, not, you don't say I'm going to have options for you, uh, but you say like, Hey, is there a time that we can sit down and go over the health of your system? You might say, all right. So then, then you're doing your thing, whether you're doing a maintenance or you're doing a demand call investigation or something like that. Uh, at, at what point along the journey do you create those options? JJ, is it as soon as you start understanding what's going on? Do you wait until the very end? How does that come up? Sure. Um,
0: so for me, you know, I start with the inside unit. I do my checkup. I let, them know, let the client know, um, you know, how long the maintenance is usually take. I ask them where they need to be. Um, as long as we have the time we can spend together to go over these options, I try to make sure I establish that um, right out the gate. So while I'm working on the system, um, I may find some potential issues uh, that should be addressed Um, I pretty much try to stay in contact with the client the whole time I'm in the home uh, to build that relationship so I let them know once I maybe come up the stairs they might just say oh hey how's everything looking you know and you just kind of let them know Um, there are some things I'm seeing uh, but I
1: still want to complete the job I came here to do with the maintenance uh, for instance so let Um, let me pause you right there yeah Um, in my mind if I'm the homeowner, I just got a new level of anxiety in my life. Right. Um, <laughs> asking that question like, Hey, you know, is everything looking good? And you're like, Hmm, well, I'm seeing a couple things. That's, uh, that's concerning to me. So how do you prevent the client from all of a sudden becoming in this panic mode? Like, Oh man, what's he finding down there? Sure. Well,
0: I think a lot of that goes to while the whole time you're there, you stay connected with the client, uh, taking some early time possibly, you know, when you lead them to a the thermostat, getting to know them, where you make them feel like relaxed. Uh, when you already established the part that if anything is going on with the system or the health, affecting their health, uh, and they give you that permission, um, at the end of the day, when you let them know some of that's already going on, they're aware of that. Um, I think you establish that guideline there to where if you create that situation you just told me, Nate, where you're getting a lot of anxiety, you'd only have that anxiety as if we didn't establish an agreement that I had your permission to let you know anything was going on with the system or affecting them. Uh, If you don't do that and you come up and say that, oh yeah, I'd be the same way. I'd be like, oh man, like uh, what the heck's going on here? I probably wouldn't let him go out to finish what he's doing. But when you solidify what you're there for. You cover all the grounds to cover yourself um, and get their permission at the end of the day to bring anything to their attention. Uh, To me, that's when um, it makes all those other options uh, more simplistic or let them know what I'm seeing, uh, that I'd like to bring to your attention here, but I do want to complete what I came out here to do. And we could take that time at the end to go over what I found and
1: and what we can do about it to fix it. Yeah, I really like that uh, kind of, making sure that you say, I'm not finished yet. You know, I st- I still want to complete my, uh, my process. You know, I want to finish the job uh, that I'm looking at here before we do anything in depth. Uh, but in the illustration that you gave there, you were kind of saying you stay in touch with the client. And then you said, well, sometimes the client will ask me like, hey, how's things looking? If the client doesn't ask you that, do you preemptively step in and say, hey, I just want to let you know, Uh, while I was down there, I'm still in the middle of everything, but while I was down there, I am finding some things. Like, do you proactively uh, bring that up or, or if the customer or the client isn't engaged that way, do you wait until the end?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think for the most part, I try to stay true to what I do on every call, but not every call is the same either. So sometimes you do have to adapt or be like a chameleon uh, to adapt to your surroundings. Typically, if I start inside and I do come up, um, I may bring, you know, the filter that's really dirty, uh, or if this is the condensate pump that I'm going to go out and clean and it's all gunked up. Um, a lot of times that will pique the interest of the client to say, well, what's going on there?" It's pretty hard to like, see if things are dirty or, uh, not, not good for the eyes that they won't just, they'll just go, oh, okay, great. You know, they want to know you're curious, like, you're there to keep the system clean. You want to run it right. So if I bring up something that's compromised, it springs the question, well, oh, that's dirty. It creates paths or avenues for you um, to engage with the client. Uh, what's kind of going on now that we're seeing? We both see it. It's not something I'm just telling you. Uh, you take my word for it. I, I provide evidence, let them know like, oh, yeah, we're both seeing the same thing here. Um, I'll get into a little bit what's going on there. And then that's where if they have any questions. I can answer them right then and there, but I do tell them that uh, I'm there to complete the maintenance. I want to make sure everything outside works well also. Um, and once I have all my findings, uh, I go over them with a checklist, what's good and, uh, what could potentially go bad or if something is compromised that, you know, we can handle it.
1: So that's a part of my process. Okay. So you do some show and tell work, uh, even in the middle of the call. Absolutely. Love it. Okay. So, um, We're, we're wrapping up with, uh, the maintenance or the investigation of what's going wrong with the system, whatever type of call that you're on. And it's now time to sit down with a client. So talk to us about what that process looks like and how and when your options come into the conversation.
0: Sure. I mean, this is where it's showtime, you know, this is probably the most excited I get when I get to that point, um where you get kind of like that rush that you have the opportunity to close the deal and for me when i'm completed with the maintenance i come back in and they usually just ask oh um you know are you done or whatever and i said well um i have completed the maintenance here uh i know earlier uh, we established that um 5 10 15 minutes we could uh share the table here and go over some options if they're still open to that obviously they already gave you that permission they will. Uh, So at that point, um, I let them know if we may sit at the table, wherever they're most comfortable. Um, I just like to sit down and just give them uh, a full breakdown of what I found. uh, And just so I want to make them fully aware of what's going on with their
1: system. All right, let me pause you there. When you bring up the options, whenever that's going to happen, are you bringing them up digitally? Are they written down? Or are you doing verbals? You know, what What exactly is the visual of these things? Yeah. So uh,
0: I know uh, I've never been a proponent of uh, like handwriting it down. Um, a, because uh, I have sloppy handwriting and I want to make it legible as possible. <laughs> so <laughs> I, uh, I go the digital route and with some verbal as well. So I try to connect my words to what I wrote, obviously. Um, but I know people like to read and see. So um, I get pretty detailed. Uh, with what I'm presenting and what all they do. Um, So they can read all that and gather um, what I'm talking to them about, um, what I brought to their attention um, with the show-and-tell process, where if they see a dirty filter or a dirty pump, it's already in their mind that, well, uh, I know that's kind of going on here. I'm sure he'll let me know how I can fix that problem. Um, So that's what I do. I I sit at the counter with them. I spin my iPad around. And I show them all the options. Um, I go over option one in its full detail. Um, I try to get a read for them. I let them know. And then I give them, I just pretty much at that point, I do a little bit of talking, uh, but the rest is just listening and waiting to see how they react to option one. You know, if they're like, oh, well, that's, you know, way out of my budget there. Okay, great. And I laugh it off and say, yeah, I mean, uh, that would be great. Uh, I don't even think I could afford that option. But this is more what I'm looking at here, so I can get a, I can get a gauge of what the client really wants to do or needs to do. Um, but I want to make sure I exhaust all my options because in situations you might think like option one is not going to work for somebody, uh, but but then they're like, no, yeah, I want to do that. That's what I feel like is best for me. So that's why I think it's important to lay out all the options to the client, even if it doesn't seem realistic. You just never know.
1: Yeah, and I I think from. A consumer's perspective. That's why options are so important. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the difference between buying and being sold, and that's it right there, right? <clears throat> being being sold something is saying, "Hey, yeah, option two. That's what you got to do. Um, no choices." Uh, but be, buying is when you, as the technician, remove yourself from the equation, right? And you you don't stand in the way of the customer choosing. Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct, and. For me, I, I, I,
0: if they choose option two, you know, I let them know this is a great package to start with. Obviously, if there's a point down the road that you do want to make this better, um, that's what option one can bring you. Uh, we can start in phases. You know, we start with option two right now. Um, this will work great. But in another year or two, you find the benefits. You want to even make your situation even better, healthier. Um, you let them know that is obviously an avenue, might not be at this time but it's something potentially we could work towards um, in the future to get that done. Just sometimes, you know, uh, $7,000 investment's not in everyone's budget, but maybe the $3,000 one is, and that's okay. I mean, still you create the win-win-win with any option you pick. You're creating revenue, you're creating money for yourself, and you're making the client happy. And at the end of the day, that's what truly matters for a return business and setting up another technician where at that time, uh, I know I'm going on a tangent here, but let's say you present options for that client and they understand it. It might just not be at that, the right time for them to get it done. But if you put in the time to present that to that client and give them that experience, whether you get to go back in six months or another tech does, you are still keeping that door open for a revenue proposition um, to making the customer happy and uh, creating revenue um, for the business and, and yourself. So I think at the end of the day, you need to establish that ground. um, So where eventually you still create that revenue opportunity. It might not be today, but it
1: will be tomorrow or six months down the road. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually wanted to ask you about that. In the construction process of your options, how much do you look back through the history of what has been offered or discussed to the client in the past? And how does that affect what you're going to discuss today?
0: Yeah, I think that's huge. Um, Obviously, all our guys do a great job of leaving notes, what they recommended, what was declined. um, And sometimes they even um, let you know uh, how adamant the customer was in declining. Um, uh, To me, at least I know, the the groundwork's been laid out, that they're familiar with the conversation. um, And at that point, I can try to investigate to what is holding them up what's the negative what's not allowing them uh to want to better their life and their system's performance is it just the money is it just the cost Uh, was it how were they pressured Uh, you know that's the time where i just get some information uh, from them uh, to find out what was the cause of not pulling the trigger Um, once i can gather that information it's like putting the pieces to the puzzle once i have those couple missing pieces um, and we fit it in there Uh, Bang, You know, that's where we can get the job done the second time or potentially the third time. Uh, From my experience, that's happened. I I laid out options for a client and they told me this is great. You know, I appreciate it. Uh, It's just not my budget right now, but I'm very interested. You can create that option to follow up with them in a specific time. A lot of times they'll tell you, you know, um, it's all about how above and beyond you go to make sure that you let the client know you're looking out for their best interest. And... Um, I've gone back six months later um, to another call. We start talking, and they go, oh, "Yeah, I do remember this." And you letting them know that I understand at this time. You know, Mrs. Smith, uh, this doesn't uh, work for you right now. Uh, the situation at hand uh, will continue to get worse. Uh, this won't just get better um, like nothing does uh, that way, um, unless we resolve it. Um, and just inform them that. And there's times I've gone back and. The situation has gotten worse, and they understand that, um, and it puts more onus where if they hear it um, over and over and understand that, like, there are there is an issue here. It's not just going to clean itself, whether you take pictures or um, you just show them, bring them down and show them, and they'll, they'll know, and it's in their mind. Um, but once you kind of – they understand maybe at that time – They don't trust you or they don't feel confident enough to get it done at that point. But if you repeat that process again and letting them know that we're trying to look out for their best interests and this is the best way to take care of this problem to resolve it, um, that's when a lot of times uh, the job will get done. You plant the seed before. um, Then when you return, you're just adding water and seeing it grow.
1: I love it. And I want to see it, JJ. So Brian is a homeowner. (laughs) Uh, You're out at his house today and you're doing... Uh, let's say, in uh, maintenance on his system. And uh, you're just wrapping up, so it's time for the two of you to sit down at the table, and uh, you need to go over the options that you've constructed. So role play that out for us as Brian, the homeowner, and you doing your thing. All
0: right. Okay, Mr. Burton, uh, I... um... I'm here to comp- – I just got done your maintenance here. Uh, I know earlier we alluded that – What's a maintenance? Maximizer. Uh, <laughs> 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 Agitator. Okay. Well, what's yeah. What was
1: it called? Yeah. The maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. The
2: maximizer. Maximizer. My
0: bad.
1: Okay. My
2: the system maximizer. Go. Yeah, it.
0: here yeah. We, go, we go. Yeah, so uh, I just wanted to let you know with uh, when I completed this maximizer, sir, that um, we take some time to go over some options uh, with some of the findings I had with your system. Uh, if you're open with that. Sure. Let's see him. Okay. Well, uh, before we get going here, do you have any questions before I get started? I don't. Okay. Well, thank you, sir. Um, well, I laid out three options for you here um, at the end of the day. I just want to make sure you understand that um, you're not forced or obligated to do anything. Uh, I just want to lay that out there.
2: Um, time out. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, um, JJ, for your sake and for the listener's sake, I wouldn't even use the words force or obligated. Okay. Even in a negative connotation, I would just say um, you can choose to, to uh, go forward with one of these options, or you can choose not to, and either way is just fine. Is that okay? Yeah, but that's But that is cool. something you're, you're bringing up in the beginning in your upfront contract, is that I will present some options to you, and just to let you know, you can choose to have some done today, or you can choose to send me on my way, and either way will be fine with me
0: no that's a that's a great point brian um it It's just letting them know that they have an opportunity to to say no uh you don't want to create any negative uh fragmentation for the system you're in. you want to try to remain everything positive um and comfortable for the client in that situation
1: all right, good stuff um, so time back in and let's start there
2: sure
0: so Well, Mr. Byrne, when I was going over your system here, uh, I obviously see that you were using this 3M 16 by 25 filter here Um, a little bit earlier when I showed you. uh, We saw it was pretty caked up. Um, The concern with that is this filter traps about 10 to 12% of dust and debris. Um, It's highly resistant, uh, so you have less air across your system. It works harder and leads to the potential um, of future issues. so as part of this package here, um, to me, I think it's really important to look at your filtration. We have options to where we can maximize your system's performance um, and maximize the health of you and your family uh, inside your home. Uh, do you believe that's something you'd be interested in?
2: I'd, I'd definitely like to maximize my, my uh, equipment's performance for sure.
0: Terrific. Um, we have a, a litany of options here. Um, I have one that pretty much uh, can get rid of 99 Point nine seven percent of all the harmful particulates in your home. So, uh, yeah, with the uh, option one here, um, this package can get up, uh, remove up to as much as ninety nine point nine seven percent of anything that's harmful in this house, and restore the proper efficiency due to the system's age right now, and keep it at its peak level uh, and extend the life of the system. Um, that's what option one creates. Uh, do you have any questions about that, sir? No. Keep going. Great, Uh, so that's what that option is. Um, Option two here uh, is strong option. Uh, It's just a slight step down to option one. Still provides the same amount of benefits. Uh, This package will allow you to remove as much as up to 97% of all the particulates in the home. Um, This has a little bit more cost effective here. Um, That is the middle option that most people decide to go with. I know that's what I've went with um that makes the most sense uh to me to present this for you uh how does that how does that sound to you sir
2: you did that one in your house
0: yes sir i did uh to me this is where i could really um show you the benefits what it's done for me and my family Um, and i can get into a litany of information about that we're all for allergy medicine and this is the best way to go to protect your family and provide peak performance for your system as well Uh, this to me is kind of like the the best option and the most bang for your buck
2: okay and what's uh what's the third option
0: yes sir and uh the third option simply um is kind of like the basis of what we should do today to kind of clean uh what's going on with your system uh it's like good enough uh i would say it's better than what you have going on right now um But obviously with option two and option one is better and best. Uh, I just want to know from your perspective what you feel like is best for you and their system, sir.
2: Okay, let's talk about how much they cost. (laughs) And cut.
1: (laughs) Hey, good stuff there, JJ. Thanks for sharing that with us. so I'm, I'm intrigued, you know, is, is that what you would kind of expect? Obviously role playing is a lot harder than doing it in, in real life. Is that oh, so much harder? Is that typically what you're saying and, and how it's said in the home?
0: Yeah. Usually I have a lot more confidence. Uh, I'm not <laughs> shaky here and uh, it's crazy because in role playing, it's like you try to be so perfect, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to try to let listeners know that um, it's all about just flow. You know, when I'm sitting with a client, I feel like literally I'm, uh, you know, uh, at my house talking to them, I, I try to create that, um, atmosphere for them. And it's so much easier to do than to sit here and talk to Brian and, you know, uh, Nate here when they're judging me, but, um, and all seven of our listeners and all seven of our, <laughs> 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 um, but no, I, I, just try to make sure that I'm doing my best to, um, you know, educate people, uh, as best as I can, you know, I'm not a perfect product. You know, there's still things I learn and take from every call that, uh, I still make mistakes. There's some, I probably use the wrong word. Uh, words are so important. And sometimes you can say something that triggers a negative response to someone, uh, and they shut down and that's all it takes. It takes one word, uh, that you can just ruin, um, the, the call for you and completing that sale. Uh, that's why it's so important to understand uh, the, the proper words to use, why they're important. Um, and to just lay the foundation to get the trust from the customer. Once you have the trust of the customer, um, that's where all the doors are open to give any option they choose. And even sometimes they want to do option two, you can guide them to option one, just because they trust you and they believe that you're doing what's best for them. And at the end of the day, like that's what our job is to serve the client at its fullest capacity.
1: Yeah, I love your humility there, JJ, and I appreciate that. And that's just a shout out to our listeners out there that, hey, guys, the podcast here is called Waste No Day. That doesn't mean that each day is expected to be perfect. It means that you're going to try to waste no day, and that means that errors and mistakes uh, and failures are going to be built in. They're, They're built into the cake, you might say. And it's just part of the deal. And so even as JJ is expressing there that sometimes things go sideways on him or he uses uh, the wrong word or, or something doesn't go as planned, you know, it's a learning experience. And, and what he is doing and what he's demonstrating is that he gets up, he goes to the next call and he does it again. And he does it a little bit better than he does the last time. And so it's that type of mentality that I think JJ has, has driven your success there where you just don't stop.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, man, like I, I probably remember more of the calls I didn't close than the calls I have. And that's what drives me and motivates me. And if I was just had a call and hey, uh, it didn't work out, you know, you have three or four more opportunities throughout that day to make it happen. So that's what I, hey, I uh, erase what just happened. And once I walk out that door, it's on to the next one. And it's my opportunity to make it happen at that call. Um, I pretty much strive myself to make sure that uh, I like to cr- crush all the calls. Like, obviously, everyone does. But a lot of times, if you're two out of four, one out of four, sometimes, you know, you're at least still creating revenue for the company. You're helping the client that day, maybe in the future. But it's really... If you don't make it happen on one year on, you know, you just have to quickly scratch it move on to the next one and refocus and do what you need to do at your best potential to take care of the customer and um, good things will happen. Uh, You got to have a short-term memory um, in the field and you always have to sharpen your tools too. You know, you can't just stay complacent with what you're doing each and every day. Um, You have to evolve like our industry does. People do, the products do. Um, You have to stay ahead of the curve because if you're ahead of the curve, um, you pretty much take care of everyone at their best level, um, your job's to be a professional, so a professional needs to stay ahead of the curve and stay in front of the foundation of what we're offering people. Because um, the more you know, the more they trust you, and the more money and revenue you're going to bring
1: in. That's awesome, JJ. Uh, really good stuff there. We got to wrap it up here, so I just have one more question. Um, as we think about options, has there do you do any type of like callback? Um, either when you're there on site or later on like let's say they go with uh, option three or option two and there's still things there that could be done um, that you've certainly recommended and discussed Uh, let's say that they choose option three so you're you're downstairs or outside or whatever you're doing actually conducting option three you're putting in the pieces making the fixes whatever it is do you ever like check back with a client and say, hey, you know, just just wanted to double check one last time. Um, did you want to consider this? Uh, or or maybe like a week later, do you give them a call back and say like, hey, you know, I just wanted to ask uh, if you've had some time to think about that, like you said you were going to do, uh, would, would option one be something you'd like to consider now? Does that happen? Have you found that to be effective? Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, I was
0: actually thinking about that Wondering that I wouldn't get that piece in on this podcast. Um, I don't know if I agree with, uh, like, calling them, like, a week later, you know, especially if they just invested, let's say, $1,600. You call them a week later, like, hey, by the way, uh, uh, what about option one or two? Uh, You know, you're ready to spend another three grand. Um, I feel like that's when you look like a salesman, and I I try to avoid that as much as possible. So that could
2: be in pretty pretty poor taste.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So I – you know, to me, yes, there, there's times that they pick option three when I'm in the home. There's no shame to double dip. Uh, I might walk back up and just say, hey, by the way, um, I know we went with option three. Uh, what's the other options I did present? Um, what's what is the potential potential? Um, for you not to want to move forward with this, you know, along those lines, uh, was, it, was it the cost? Uh, do you just not feel like it's beneficial? Did I, do, did I not do a good enough job explaining the benefits of these other options? And it's actually kind of funny that within those situations, um, if you kind of sit back and talk to them, if they've already committed um, an X amount of dollar to you, uh, there is an opportunity that they will be open to investing more with the better option. And I have done that and it has worked. Um, it doesn't work for everybody. I think you have to kind of read the room and the situation you're in to feel like doing that. But at the end of the day, like the worst I could say is no, uh, but you want to make sure you solidify the sale that you made. You don't want to ruin it all, uh, by overstepping your boundaries. But, um, if you create that foundation with the customer, I feel like you can kind of go back to them and talk to them about anything without them feeling threatened that you're trying to sell more or, upping them and, and making them feel uncomfortable um so yeah there there are situations where you can kind of go back up and talk to them and say "Hey, i'm still here um if you i could tell you you seem interested in option two um you know what do we have to do to get it done and at that point they tell you you take that information and if it's realistic uh try to try to get it done for them and at, at the end of the day that's what your job is to create high dollar opportunities that's the only way you do it to maximize your time and efficiency, what the customer looking out for their best
1: interest. Awesome stuff, JJ. I've uh, been a privilege to have you on the podcast with us. Brian, do you have any closing thoughts for us?
2: Yeah. Um, you don't necessarily have to you know do an about face at the front door after you've completed option three and, and go back and talk more about option one. One thing to remember is this is a this is a business where we're we're most likely gonna see this person again. And if option three does everything you said it would, and if they have questions and they can call your cell phone, like you said they could, and they get a hold of you and you answer those questions. And if a callback happens, we get out there lickety split, like we said we would and fix it for them and make sure everything's okay. The next time you're there for your maximizer or for a repair call or whatever, when you bring up your old option one, there is a high probability that the trust that you've built with option three and standing behind our products and services um, is going to make a lot more sense to them. And they're going to, they're going to trust what you say now, and you're going to get that on the, on the back end. And I've found that, you know, once you're, JJ hasn't been doing this for too long, but I mean, you know, five years in, anybody can tell you that the second time you recommend something to the same client, you know, months or a year apart, there's a, much higher likelihood that they're going to go with it they know you now they trust you now they believe you're you're going to be around and that the company does what it what it says it will
0: yeah that's a great point and um in my short time uh, that has occurred uh you know when I was first here like the IQ 3000 was the MPG and UV that was like the top package you know um as COVID hit uh things evolved um HEPAs and ionizers came out someone six months ago might have Invested in that package uh, at the time, Uh, but you let them know that you're always looking out for the best interest So the second time I've returned there um, We've moved forward with HEPAs and maximizing their systems performance and efficiency and the health of their family Because you've established that groundwork for them and like Brian just said if you have the trust of a client um it's like they act like they're you're part of their family, and you know I've had people tell me that, and they trust me with whatever I recommend. They know it's in for their best interests. They don't look at it like they're being sold, and I'm told that, and I appreciate that. And when people say like you know, um, they feel like they weren't sold today. They feel like that we presented the right option for them to take care of the of the matter. Um, to me, that's like the best thing you can hear because I don't like. Being told that I'm a salesman or anything along those lines. You know, I want the customer to be um, comfortable, understand what my judgment is uh, of their system, and to help them uh, make sure their system works at their proper level. But more importantly, that. When I walk into their home, they're happy to see me, not like, oh, great. Like, what's he going to offer me now? You know, that's when you lose customers. That's how you lose uh, people uh, for your business. You know, our, our goal is to add and get as many clients as we can, um, obviously for the more revenue purposes, but to impact people's lives in a positive manner. And building that trust along the way is huge and for return business and longevity
1: for your job. I'm not sure that we could have a more ringing endorsement of the power of options than that right there, JJ. So thanks for wrapping it up for us. We can't let you go without uh, some qu- fun questions for you at the end here. So we, <laughs> we want to get to know you a little bit. <clears throat> uh, I know you're an aspirational guy, and I know you have a, a uh, internal goal-setting mechanism that is off the charts and just what you want to do and where you want to go. So tell us a little bit about your bucket list. What's uh, one or two things that's on there right now?
0: Uh, yeah, you know, um, I guess, uh, I've never been outside the country and, uh, maybe now is not maybe the best time to do it, but, um, yeah, I guess, you know, being with this company, it's kind of opened up doors for me and, uh, I guess dreams I've had become a reality. And so to me, um, uh, I always wanted to go to Greece. Um, so that's one place I've always wanted to visit. Uh, I kind of am enamored with, uh, the Greek gods and, and, uh, aspects like that. I've always wanted to just see, um, the platforms they offer there here. It's a beautiful place. Um, but, uh, that's kind of one bucket list. I'd like to, if I went outside the country, that's where I'd like to go. Um, I guess the other one, um, really at the end of the day is, uh, (laughs) this, I don't know, I mean, this might sound corny or cliche, but I got married uh, a week before the COVID shutdown last year. Uh, this past year. and uh, Congrats, me- man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you and, uh, yeah, me and my wife have uh, yet not take a honeymoon. So uh, with everything shutting down, uh, that's the other one to take her, somewhere really nice. Um, <laughs> why, obviously- would that,
2: why would that be corny? Just... <laughs> well who wants to hear about
0: that you know everyone's like yeah just teach me options whatever but uh you know and and you might be some people might not believe that's a bucket list item but for me you know um it's obviously both our first times being married we want it to be special um so yeah i want to take her somewhere uh really special that we'll remember uh for the rest of our life obviously uh so those are the two things so maybe i'll take her to greece and do honeymoon maybe i'll just tie that together right
2: take mrs jj to athens and yeah call it good yeah
0: just uh, let her know that I'm the God that I really am, so. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> is that then, why you get the lightning bolt in the side there, that, That's it, man. That's it. So that's, right. it. Right. it. so that's it. Absolutely. So no, man, um, but in, in all seriousness, you know, I know we're having a good time, but I'm forever grateful for this company giving me the opportunity that they saw in me uh, to reach my potential and all what I strive to do each and every day is thank them uh, with how I can produce and create the revenue that I do. Um, when they have faith and invest the money they have in me, uh, I told them day one, I'd be the best return on their investment. And that's what motivates me every day, uh, to create those high dollar opportunities that we discuss all the time and set goals for yourself. Cause nothing is not possible to achieve here. Um, all the goals I've laid out for myself, the first two years I've been here, I've made. And now it's the more higher you can set a goal, Ah, uh, the stronger you work, you know, the harder you work, the more knowledge you obtain to do your job at its maximum level. This place gives you that opportunity. Uh, they lay, they lay down the groundwork for you. Um, you just got to get on the path and walk it.
1: Appreciate that, buddy. And uh, we're we're really grateful to have you here with us. All right, question number two: uh, If you were a superhero or a god, I guess, uh, what would be your superpower? Uh you know, it's, uh, it's
0: interesting. Uh, when I was growing up, um, my favorite superhero was the incredible Hulk. And, uh, I always found it fascinating that like, you know, the anger, the more angry you got, you know, the bigger and stronger you were, like the guy could jump like from Pennsylvania to Florida, you know, I, I just always found that ability, uh, to be incredible. Um, so if I could like do anything for like a day, uh, the amount of, havoc I would wreak. Uh just having Hulk's powers. Um I would love the opportunity to fulfill that. Uh, obviously I can't uh speak me, speak bro. you just <laughs> <wanna> <laughs> wreak havoc for a day, huh? <laughs>
1: Yeah man, that would just be awesome. Uh notify the local uh, police of what yeah, yeah. said. <laughs> They're not gonna control system. me, man. Uh, you're gonna need uh, all kinds of stuff. So um
2: but uh not yeah that like would be JJ when he's angry. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like that would just be a blast. You know, I'm always pretty positive. Uh being able to just kind of like let your hair down, man, for a day and just like let loose. Uh that would be awesome, uh, from that perspective. Um, so that would be absolutely what I'd like to do. All right, so
1: superpower wreaking havoc. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um favorite emoji to use. Oh, <laughs> well, this one's
0: funny. Um actually uh, this this is this is probably pretty funny. I mean, I I probably shouldn't even say this, but uh I guess uh my my mom when I was growing up she, my nickname. She used to call me Poopy. All right, um, so the, her favorite Sounds emoji. Very endearing. Uh, yeah, so. It's what she says. Uh, I don't know why. I never had a bathroom problem, nothing like that. I, she just <laughs> That's what she called me. So she, uh, she even got me an emoji little like statue. It's like <laughs> the poop that's in my man cave. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, honestly, that's the one we always exchange with each other, which makes me laugh. Um, but that's probably like the favorite emoji because it's just kind of funny. Uh, but I'm more of like a gif guy. Uh, so I like to show the visuals of the, of my excitement or what we endear on our text line. is so funny to people, what they
1: create and come up with, but, uh, that's kind of what I, the route I go. All right. I hear you. Uh, okay. You're familiar with the concept of a swear jar. Oh
0: yeah, I'm very
1: aware. and familiar with that. Right, so. I've
0: done pretty well today, actually. <laughs> so there's only probably a few edits. Uh, I didn't even say the F word, which is, uh, you know, really a part of my v- vernacular. Um, not in front but, of the client, obviously. Yeah, no, no, not in front of the client. Um, but, uh, yeah, the swear jars, um, obviously, I have one at, at the
1: house. Uh, so Okay, what, um, what that's my question. What's the going rate on the JJ
2: swear jar? <laughs> Do you jar? have to get a truck to, to, like, take it down like you're getting yeah, you need Is like Is this a why br- you have to produce so much? Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, when people try to find my motivation um, – I say all the right things of just like, Oh yeah, the, you know, the company blessed me and all that, which is true, you know, but at the end of the day, the bottom line here is uh, I have an incurring debt uh, at home here uh, with that <laughs> swear jar. Uh, my son Landon uh, put it out there. Uh, you know, obviously he just got his permit. Um, so he, he, you know, got his car and he like, he's going to look forward to driving. So that's pretty much, I'm building his uh, CD for him uh, with what's in that jar. And it's not just one jar, it's multiple jars. And uh, it's not just uh singles and fives, you know. Um I have to pay the piper when I drop wow. certain words. So um obviously uh that's why I'm producing at the level I am just to kind of <laughs> keep up for the debts I've
1: incurred. So if everyone wants to know the truth, uh okay. that's it right there. All right, good good to know. Um man, just think of the the savings you would you would incur if you uh changed the vocab a little bit.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. Um I probably uh would have enough to talk to matt and scott about opening up another one hour in another state <laughs> uh with the money i could save from those jars man um right. but uh that's at the end of the day uh, they hold me accountable obviously i'm failing at it but uh at least it's the principle of trying to make me better each and
1: every day but uh i haven't found that yet okay i got you all right last one for you here um what is the slogan that best describes you or your values Um, yeah, at the end of the day, man, uh, I look at a a slogan,
0: like, uh, if you sell, you do really well. Um, I feel like you kind of had to be a dog out there and, uh, a dog has to eat. And, uh, and I look at it like I'm always hungry, hungry
1: dogs run faster. That's it, man. There you go. That's it. Love it. All right, man. Appreciate you being on here today. That's it for this podcast. We hope that, uh, this discussion on options and how JJ, Rolls and mount plays into your daily life. Uh, Whether you're an HVAC tech, a plumber, or an electrician, options are for you, and they have great benefits not only to you, but also to your clients that you're serving on a daily basis. So make sure you check this out. And also, if you didn't listen to part one, the intro of this, uh, Brian and I break down uh, more about options and how they can be applied for you. Uh, But if you like what you're hearing and you want to learn more about that, we're hiring. We're always looking for more people to join our team to become the next JJ. Uh, and to really put the pedal to the metal and make the most of themselves so don't spend your days uh, you know wishing for more there is something else out there you can get to the next level you can become a better version of yourself and that's what we want to encourage you to do to wake up every single morning and choose to waste no day This podcast is a production of the South Central Pennsylvania Branch of One Hour Heating and Air
2: Conditioning, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, and Mr. Sparky Electric.